Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. But why don't we stand together and let's give a really big welcome to Pastor Brian Andrew and Moira as they come. God bless you. Lovely to have you here. Go for it. Take a seat. Good morning. We're really happy to be here. It's such an honor to share with you. And it's so easy to love Pastor Ross and Mary Lynn, isn't it? Well, we found it really easy to love them anyway, you know. We've had a great time with them. And I I didn't plan this, but in the first service I was saying that one of the ministries Pastor Ross has is of being annoying. And I found that hanging out with them a lot the last few days. It's just this ministry of being annoying. And I said, do any of you find him annoying? And only one hand went up. Yeah, Pastor Mary Lynn. Yeah, I don't know. But here's the deal. He's always talking about Jesus. He's always talking about the kingdom. He's always talking about sharing with people who don't know him. He's always talking about dreams and visions and the Holy Spirit. Now, some people find that annoying. I think it's one of the biggest compliments ever in a pastor that he's not satisfied with the status quo. His primary concern is not your comfort. His primary concern is honoring Jesus and reaching people who don't know him. And if that makes them annoying, so be it. Be, be, be annoying. And you know it's a complimentary way. Uh, I, I didn't say this in the first service because I don't want to make any inference of comparison. But I, but I can't really help it, Ross, because that's where you move around. You know, a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians, they don't talk about Jesus. They don't talk about establishing the kingdom, you know, and, and there's something really special about you guys and about the presence of God. Um, in the first service and in particular, so I, was, I was just thinking, you know, there's a presence of God here that's fresh and powerful and, and you can't psych that up. It's more than great music and great vocal skills and terrific technology, all that. The presence of God, presence of God. And this is what uh, we certainly have a passion. We'll be talking more about that tonight. But we're going to do something a bit different. Maury, can you come up? Um, We didn't do this in the first service, but I just want to mention this and then get on with what I really want to say. Um, And just very briefly about our books. Um, Some of you heard us speak last year, late last year. And this little book, God's just taken it and used it beyond our dreams and imagining. And we're getting unsolicited females, emails, (laughs) emails from around the world. Uh, we actually get a few females too. We get people ring up. We get people ring up and they, uh, they'll say, um, we've got your book. And we come around to Grandad's Garden and they want to uh, have a look. And sometimes people end up in tears. You know, people who don't know Jesus. And one lady, she emailed, she rang up. She ended up, she first of all said, I want to bring my two kids. She ended up with 16 people. And uh, she bought cupcakes and orange drink and... Uh, and we took them around the garden, explained the four principles of forgiveness and courage and generosity. One lady, you know, there was just some pain and she's crying. I'm thinking, here I am with an unchurched lady in the back. Moira was there too, but um, you know what I mean? That I never would have dreamed. They're actually doing these gardens in places like Zambia and uh, Hungary and Romania. We're opening two new ones in Toowoomba and Coolum in August. And uh, Burnett Hitz, we've got an email from a teacher at the state school there. They're going to do a granddad's garden. And it just goes on and on and on, and it's very humbling. And it helps build families and build people, uh, aimed particularly at children, 
but also it's these are great resources for Christians to give their unchurched family and friends because we, I believe, as we were led by God, decided not to put Christian terminology in the books, but it's Christian principle. And the power is there. You don't have to have particular religious terminology for there to be power. And so uh, then... We had a lot of people say, can you do grandma's garden because our kid's granddad is no longer with us or he's a, you know, grumpy old person. So uh, Moira did that. So what I've done in here is put about how to develop positive attitudes, how to overcome worry and anxiety and develop courage and confidence in children. So very simple little stories about, you know, planting flowers. You can plant flowers in the garden of your heart. Pulling weeds, you've got... You can have weeds in your head when you worry. You've got to pull out those weeds. So Brian's talking today about our stories and the power of our story. And this is actually my story in here. And my story has come from, you know, there was a, a stronghold over our family, I believe, of um, depression and discouragement and worry and anxiety. And I believe that through the Lord, you know, I became a Christian at 21 and be able to break that and carry that on so I've got stories in here how to develop peace of mind but it's kind of my story and our story as well which has power this last one I've just written is how to journal and somebody just got this yesterday she said I cannot believe it I didn't know how to journal I thought you just wrote dear God somebody hurt me today how <laughs> she said you explained in the front how to journal she said this is going to change my life <laughs> so it's how to journal in the scriptures and how to hear from God every day for your life. It's got a reading plan for the year, and uh, it's very exciting to see the impact that this is having on lives. So, fantastic! And uh, you know the adventures of ABCD, which I'm going to just talk briefly about that in the context. But this is uh, my three brothers and I, and uh, there we are. When we were little kids in the 50s, Anthony at the back, Brian on the front left, Christopher on the front right, and Douglas. So we were brought up as A, B, C, and D. And uh, there would be the Andrew family sitting in church with these little kids, you know. And, uh, and, and it, it was a terrific upbringing. It really, really was. Your story has power. Your family history story is powerful. The stories you tell about your family and your family history are powerful. I want to talk this morning about your story has power. Every one of you, don't push back. Don't think, well, yours might, Pastor Ross and Lynn's might, but I'm just me. Don't even think like that. Your story has power. Your story has power to shape the lives of children and grandchildren in your world. Your story has the power when the Holy Spirit is flowing in and through you and taking that to actually change your life for eternity. Your story has power. We've been telling stories the last few days. That's what we do, all of us, when you get together. Why do we go for coffee? We tell stories. You know, why do we do lots of things? We're sharing our life. Now, one of the stories uh, that I have here is in the book is what I call the mystery of the disappearing center. And my dad, when we were kids, put chocolate centers on the tree one year with foil around them. And so there's six of them. Now, at that stage, that was a big deal. Wow. But the next day, there was only five. So mum lined us up. Who took the chocolate center? Not me, not me, not me, not me, said A, B, C, and D. The next day there was four. Who took the chocolate centers? Not me, not me, not me, not me, said A, B, C, and D. We thought it was C because he's the naughty brother. It says in the beginning of the book, A is very smart, C is very naughty, D is very good uh, with a ball, you know, very athletic, and B is very good and handsome. 
So I wrote the book so I could put that in there. And some things never change. C is still naughty. Moira thinks I'm still handsome, but quite amazing, really, after 40 years, if I put a tie on or something like that, she gets excited, you know. She doesn't want to go out. She wants to stay home. Anyway, so um, there we were, and then there was only three, and Dad lined us up. Believe it or not, my dad's six foot. And, you know, who took the chocolate Santa? And, you know, then finally, C said, because no one owned up, C said that he saw Tojo, our dog, taking Santa's off the tree and taking the foil off. And, you know, we, we learned that's part of our family history now. You've got family history stories. And they're actually more powerful than you can imagine. And, and God wants us to share family history stories. Now, I'm just going to whiz past uh, what we've got next and get right to, um, you know, just gave you that little update, gave you the update of Grandma's Garden as well. And that's, um, Maura, can you just come up and read this? Because this is prophetic. You know, sometimes God gives us things. Sometimes God, we say God gives us things, but they need a lot of work, you know. Um, but I think the Lord did give more of these words. When I say I love journaling, and first thing I do in the morning is journal in the Word and expect God to speak to me. But what I developed uh, for about three years, every day at three o'clock, I made an appointment with the Lord and I went to a coffee shop and I wanted to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So this is what I did, and this is a way that I've developed to work through any issues that I've got, to listen, to write down what's going on, then listen to the Holy Spirit. And this came after one day where I thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. I've been up half the night with a granddaughter, (laughs) couldn't sleep all night, and I thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. I need to go for my coffee early. (laughs) So I went down and I just started writing, God help me. And these words came, you can choose the colour of your day, You can paint it with the cloud of disappointment and regret, or you can colour it with the sunshine of love. You can paint a rainbow of hope, and you can sparkle every day with joy. Now, I put that in my children's book, and it's touching lives now. It's quite amazing what I hear about how those words have been able to be used to encourage other lives. So it's those things that God gives you, and it's often through the hard times that you go through that you get those words that are life to other people. God wants us to speak life-empowered and spirit-infused words, and those are the words that are going to impact lives, the ones that we've worked out in our own hearts and own lives. Amen. She's good. Israel was uh, emerging as a nation. They had Ten Commandments. And we read in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 to 7 in the Message Version, Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love Him with all that's in you. Love Him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Now, this is way back then in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant days, basically um, putting out a model almost, if you like, of, you know, sharing to the next generation, sharing to our children and our grandchildren. And it's not an institutional approach. It's not, you know, sit around the table and have a devotion, even if I have to tie you there, you know. It's not, there's nothing wrong with family devotions, and it can, that can include family devotions. And it's not... Um, necessarily kids church or kids ministry on Sunday but that can be included in all of that 
But in fact, it's a lifestyle. It's absolute lifestyle. Get the word of God in you, and so it is outworked through you. And I think Moira and I have been married 40 years. I've been following Jesus 44 years uh, from last Anzac Day. And people look at us now and they see our amazing life and we love what we do and we love our kids and our seven grandkids and we have so many um, awesome people coming into our world. We get together as a family as much as we can. With 14 of us, there's lots of birthdays and Mother's Days and Father's Days and it's all, they love it. They, they, they love hanging out and, and lots of young 20, 30 you know, coming into our world and sitting on our deck and uh, asking us to assess their prospective life partners, would you believe? You know, that's a significant part of our life right now. And so, um, you know, these are the things we do. But people sometimes look at us and, and we think, well, yeah, but we've, we've based our life on the Word. And we are Word-enriched and Spirit-enabled in what we do. There's nothing better than if we fill ourselves with God's Word and then let the Holy Spirit flow through our life with that blend, that's what makes a strong Christian, a, a, an influential Christian. And so this is a way of life. It's an ongoing conversation with our children and our grandchildren. I had no idea of the power, really, of the stories to our children and grandchildren. I had some idea, but uh, I've learned a whole lot more. And so a lot of our family stories now are very much a part of our life. My dad, you know, he was really cool. He took the four of us little boys out to the swimming hole, which was a spring-fed river, freezing cold, and he lined us up with our little swimmers on, and he put lines on our tummy and chest, and that was how deep we were allowed to go. So D went that deep, C went this deep, B, that's me here, and A up here. And so we've actually, it was taken on an eight-millimeter movie, and then that was changed to video, and now it's changed to DVD. Um, so why it's so sharp in my mind is we actually still got it. And you see these four little boys bobbing in the water, all trying to stay at the depth. And of course, as we develop confidence, Dad would move the lines up to the point that we didn't need the line and we were able to, you know, dive off the rocks and so forth. And so when we're in schools, you know, we can talk about that. But, you know, there's wisdom. There's the practical outworking of uh, God's truth. And uh, my dad wasn't what you call a really vocal Christian, but... Uh, when there was a beautiful sunset, he would say to us boys, you know, ah, the master painter is at work again. And he, he lived it uh, practically. And, uh, you know, what we've got to do is just really live it practically and talk about uh, what God's doing in the church. Talk about um, when people become Christians. You know, just let that be part of your conversation with your children and your grandchildren. Now, what I found was some research from Emory University, two psychologists, and they said this, that, in fact, I'll read it, I'll read a quote uh, from this uh, uh, article. They said that the best single predictor of a child's emotional health and happiness is what researchers call a strong intergenerational self, which means the child has a strong sense of where they belong, where they fit, a sense of location, if you like, uh, this is my tribe. And that it can be uh, measured practically that children who know their family history stories are more resilient emotionally. They're more able to handle trauma and difficulty and so forth. And I thought, I found that out after I did the Adventures of ABCD. And some schools are now inviting us to go into schools and just use that uh, when they're talking about history then and now. History in the 50s, it's in the curriculum now. And I thought, well, you know, so often 
uh, science and philosophy and education, they'll come out with something that people say is amazing and it's new. And, you know, you go to the Bible and it was kind of there, if you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be smug about this, but the Word of God is, is wisdom. You know, it's, uh, it's just so there. So tell family history stories. Every family has a unifying uh, narrative. And they call it an ascending family narrative or descending or oscillating. Now, an ascending family narrative could go something like this. We came from uh, a country as refugees. We just had the clothes on our back. Now we've got a nice house and our kids go to a nice school. Wow, God is so good. A descending family narrative is we used to live on a house on the hill with a pool. Now, because of a marriage breakup or a business meltdown, we live in a little fibro shack way out in the edge of town. I mean, here's what these psychologists found. It doesn't matter whether it's ascending or descending, and it's more naturally an oscillating one, it still gives the child a sense of location. And we should share the realities. Age appropriate, of course. You know, I'm not saying put everything out there, but I found this really, really fascinating. One of the reasons I found it fascinating is because I can still vividly remember the first time I read Matthew 1, the genealogy of Jesus, after I had some understanding of Old Testament characters in particular. And I thought, this is the lineage of Jesus the Christ? Look who he's got there. We've got Abraham for a start. Well, he told lies. And there's Tamar. She seduced her father-in-law. And there's Rahab, and she was a prostitute. I, I pretty well shut the book. I thought, if I was God, I wouldn't put that stuff in there. I wouldn't let people know that this is my family history. You mean Jesus the Christ has got prostitutes? And, a, and then David, what did he do? Looked over, saw Bathsheba. You know, got a bit excited, uh, had sex with her. She was married, basically put out a contract killing, get rid of her husband so he could then, you know what I mean? This is in the Bible. This is the, the family history of Jesus. So you think you got a bad family history? Take a look at Matthew 1 and you'll feel better. You will feel, you know, it really is a powerful truth because some of us, we listen to Pastor Ross or Pastor Mary Lynn or someone like us, and you think, well, it's all right for you. That's an excuse. What do you mean it's all right for you? You don't actually know about our family backgrounds. You probably know quite a bit about yours. But, you know, look at Matthew chapter 1. If you're embarrassed or ashamed about your family history, you know, ask God to help you with that. And if, it, if there's some of us here in the crowd this side, we will have secrets that are very dark. And we don't want to have that out. And you, you, I'm not suggesting you do that. Sometimes those things are better left as long as they're processed. You know, get them processed. Get healing if you need it. If, but don't let your dysfunctional or disappointing or damaging family history define you. Don't let that define you. Um, process that. Get healing for that. We never said this in the first service, but, you know, people look at our life now and think, wow, you know, how together you are and all that. And we kind of are, I suppose. But, you know, in the early years, we had discipleship, we had healing, we had binding and loosing from certain family traits that were behind both of our family. We did all that stuff. So obviously over time, you break and you bind and you lose and you get into healing and then you get into the Word of God and you walk in the Holy Spirit. Well, you're going to have a fairly together life. You know, why wouldn't you? This is meant to be a good life that we're living. I mean, the Bible says fullness of life. That doesn't make us um, immune to tragedy and, and plane crashes and losing Moira's brother and little boy. I mean, stuff happens. But 
you know, beyond all that, and as we journey through life, uh, so some of you this morning, some of you, I believe, the Holy Spirit is saying, get prayer for your family history. Don't just think about it. Get it today. Come forward at the end of the service. There's ministry time here. And say, you know, I've been so ashamed and embarrassed. But then again, if you put my family history against Matthew, why not? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't have such a bad background after all. Well, this is Jesus, the Christ. What? I'm amazed what God put in his book. I wouldn't have put that stuff there. Uh, some of it, anyway. So um, there we are. Tell your stories and tell them to your kids and your grandkids. Now, we didn't stay ABCD 2468. We got a bit older. And some of you are old enough to remember those days. I didn't think that was that funny. You, had, you got photos like that too, probably. I mean, a bit younger than me, but not a whole lot. Um, but, you know, then I, 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 I got to this point, you know, even though I had beautiful parents where I wasn't satisfied, I started surfing and surfing and surfing. Surfing was my consuming passion. I was doing a trade uh, as a builder, but... You know, if the surf was up, didn't matter. I'd just go wherever. We just traveled all around the South Island. We knew where the wind and the swells and everything. And I was very shy. From about 15, 16, I started to drink just to overcome my shyness. And so that's what we did every weekend. We just got drunk. That's, that's what guys did. Apparently, they still do. Um, but, you know, it was, it was destructive. And I tried to give up the bad language. And I tried to give up the drink. And, and, but I needed the drink to be confident with girls at places we went, you know. And, but I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't happy. And I, I was looking around. I went to a few churches. I went to one like this in Christchurch. They called the New Life Center. But I thought it was a wildlife center. It was, um, it was a huge crowd. And um, they were weird. I'm telling you, they were a bit like you. And I came in the back, having been brought up in a very quiet little church environment. Um, with a part, never mind. But um, and the most exciting time in church growing up was when some little boys put detergent in the communion wine, and people had the communion wine and started to throw up in church. That's one of the few days I remember. You know, like I wouldn't say God moved, but it got my attention. Or when the the uh, offering wooden plate was dropped on the wooden floor and it, all the coins rolled. They were good days for us little boys, you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm sure God was working somewhere around the place, but I, 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 I was out on the waves and there was a dolphin alongside me. Something happens inside. I'm lying on the beach with my mates and the stars are out. We were first there to get the waves before even the sun came up. And you start to think, there's got to be a God. I tried to pray. It was like hitting the ceiling. I tried to give up the bad language and, and the booze and, and I'd go really well for a week, you know, or a day. And, and you know, I was, I was looking for something. I was looking. And a friend was telling me a story. And, and one weekend, Anzac weekend, 44 years ago, I can remember it like yesterday. I was really hoping that, you know, all these people wouldn't come around. We'd have a big boozy party like we usually did. But, uh, and they didn't. And uh, my friend Graham... Uh, I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready. You know, I, I'm ready. Uh, he said, well, I, I want to introduce you to Jesus. And I'm like, oh, how do you do that? You know, I'd been around, had a look at a few churches and stuff, and and I, I, I knew something. And he said, well, you've got to kneel down. So I didn't know you had to kneel down, but he said I had to kneel down, so I knelt. And then he said, you've got to turn the light off. So he turned the light off in this little fibro shack on the south shore. So then he said, now just copy me. I'm going to pray. You pray. Uh, so I did. 
and it was just a simple little prayer, and I've never been the same 44 years since. I didn't understand a whole bunch of stuff, but I was a little disappointed. There was no angels or trumpets, nothing like that. You know, it was just, but I felt clean, and I felt connected. Connected to I don't know what, but I felt connected and clean. And I didn't know any songs. The only songs we knew were hymns we used to sing at uh, school, like Thy Hand, O God, Hath Guided, or Ancient of Days, or something like that. Anyway, so what happened was I had a new story. I had a new story. And my story wasn't just about surfing anymore or girls or anything like that. And uh, I discovered that Jesus had a purpose and a plan for me, which was to share my story in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and as he said, receive the Holy Spirit, receive my power, and share your story. See, you share stories of your family history with your children and grandchildren. That will help shape their life. It will help build emotional resilience. You share your story of meeting Jesus. That can change a person's life for eternity. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all right for you. You're quite articulate. Hey, I'm the one who the first time I ever was asked to do something at school when I was about 10, burst into tears with fear of standing up in front of anybody. I've been through all that stuff, but the Holy Spirit has helped me overcome that self, you know, shyness and so forth. And as Ross said before, you know, we just dropped into a shop here yesterday and within a couple of minutes I'm sharing with these girls about, you know, life and relationships and quality of life, all this kind of stuff. We're going back tomorrow to see them again. And, you know, Sunday week ago we had a 19-year-old young lady. She Facebook messaged us. She worked in the bread shop. And uh, I used to, I, everywhere I go I treat people with dignity. Sounds a bit up myself, but uh, look, I just want to say it's not that hard. You look people in the eye when they serve you and say thank you and how's your day? A lot of people don't get that. In the, in the, and, you know, I've, I've become really, really close friends with our local pharmacist um, whose name, we'll call him Vipul. He's a, a, an Indian Hindu. And he's now really close mate. We've had meals together. And uh, he just, he just he, he, I said, are you really a Hindu like by core conviction and all of that and worldview or is it more of a cultural thing? He said, really, it's more of a cultural thing. And so, you know, Whenever I go into the pharmacy, um, they get me to talk to any new staff about relationships. Use my little red card that we used last night. So I do that with their staff and go through and, and explain how they can have... Now, what am I doing? Now, that one of those other staff members is coming to have a coffee with you next week, isn't she? And she's been through some heartache. And so this girl from the bread shop, she's on our deck. She wanted to catch up. She was 14 and a half. Now she's 19. And it's the first time she's been in our home. We sat on the deck last week. Come on up here. And uh, I said, oh, is there anyone special in your life? I mean, she's a really beautiful young 19-year-old girl, and she's at uni. And uh, she said, oh, no, all the guys my age just get drunk. You know? And I looked at her, and she was saying this, and I said, well, that's what I used to do. What? You used to do that? So then, there's a, see, I'm just giving you an example, the naturalness of then saying, but, yeah, I realized how, how damaging it was and, and what a dead-end street it was. And I had some friends who told me their story. And so then I shared something of my testimony with her, just sitting on our deck. So it came out of a natural thing. Ask the Holy Spirit to help guide you. Imagine if all of us went out of here saying, by God's grace, I'm going to share my story with someone this week. God help me. God help me. God help me. Imagine if there was hundreds and hundreds of us, you know, every week, not, not annoying people. Or, well, annoying in the right sense, but, you know. Um, so um, then Alyssa, this 19-year-old kid, never been to church. Alyssa has just travelled overseas, and I travelled when I was uh, I was a radiographer, and then went travelling. 
Um, but I walked into a church in Melbourne and I went, whatever they've got, I want it. And somebody came up to me and said, God's got a plan for your life and that includes a husband. I've never heard anybody else say that, but someone said it to me and I had faith to believe for it. So I was telling this girl that that's what happened with me, that God's got a plan for your life. I said, God's got a plan for your life. And I said, he can provide you with that right man. I said, look what God did for me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Told her our story. We met and married very quick. <laughs> when it's God, it's, it's very clear and it's very clear. But it's just connecting with them, connecting with her traveling. There was just one other time I started sharing my story just with family. Somebody asked me something, so I started telling them a little bit about what had happened to us. She said, how come you ended up minister? So I was just talking to her. And one of them looked at the other and she said, did you see that? I said, what are you saying? She said, as soon as you started talking about your experience with God, your whole face lit up. Isn't that interesting? See, we're to be lights. We're to spread the God colors in the world. So just sharing your story, you you light up when you start sharing and speaking about your spiritual life and what's happening in your life. So God's got people that he wants you to touch. And I really felt today too that people are going to walk through those doors and have that same experience. Whatever you've got in here, I want it. So believe God for that. That's true. We had such a passion for the inner city that we moved into an apartment on the river in the inner city of Brisbane, just believing God wanted us there. And uh, the couple who owned the penthouse on the top, which is five apartments big, um, the whole top floor, Tony and Mary, they're a Lebanese couple. Um, someone said, oh, I know the people up top. And they introduced Mary to Moira. And, you know, um, these guys had worked incredibly hard, uh, immigrants, you know, and, but they had a lot of stuff. And, but they were hungry for more. And so Mary would come up and down the lift hour after hour talking to Moira. Moira led her through to Jesus. And then Tony came to Jesus. And, and this journey with them has been so exciting, life transformation life transformation through sharing story and, and i could tell you we we actually led more people to jesus in our 50s than any other time in, in our christian life and being there among the people and then mary said you've got to talk to my niece so you know she received jesus and then there's someone else who was on our staff a while back and we met her she came around and moira led her to jesus laura and then laura said to me i've got this friend kerry and, uh, you know, would you talk to him? So I met with Kerry on the deck of our apartment and led him to Jesus just sitting there. Kerry went on a mission team with our church to Dili in Timor, met a Brazilian dental surgeon. He's a steel worker. The steel worker married the dental surgeon. They're now married. And he's just a brand-new convert, you know, at about 30 years of age. And now they've got two kids. You know, um, how exciting is this? Isn't this exciting? And don't say it's all right for you. This is your story has power. Your story has power. Your story, you have the right attitude, the right heart, and never forget you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. It's not all up to you. And actually, I'm going to talk about this tonight, but you know, sometimes we really want the power of God, and we don't seem to get the power of God. Guess when you will get the power of God is when you step out and start sharing your story. Because it's pleasing God, and there's something in the heavenlies that when we step out, and share our story. Even we feel a bit nervous and a little bit afraid. And what will I say? The Holy Spirit just comes and flows. I've experienced that myself. I've experienced the disappointment and guilt of not saying something I should have said. Do, you, do any of you know that? You think afterwards, oh, I missed an opportunity. Uh, Malcolm, the airline pilot, somebody met him in an art gallery and said, you've got to see this guy in Newfound. He came to see me. His life was falling apart. 
He is an incredible global jet pilot, and that and over 18 months I developed a friendship until finally he received Jesus. And he was working then for Vietnam Air, and he would send me. He, it was really a C.S. Lewis type conversion of the mind, along with coming into our home, into our small group, discussion with me, reading, and uh, and and he just was. He just got confronted with Jesus. He sent me an email one day with an attachment because he sent me an email. So he was on the journey and he said he would ask things about healing and Reiki and all this sort of thing, you know. And then he sent me an email. So he was just beginning to come into Christ and he said, why can't I have sex? With, you know, I've met this woman up here. She's my aqua aerobics instructor. And he sent an attachment with her photo in her bikini. And I thought I'm probably the only pastor in Australia right now with a, uh, on my computer screen. So what did I do? Did I send him an email back saying, how dare you even think of having sex, you mongrel? You know, you've got to get right with God. Then you'll never have a temptation in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. Um, anyway, I, I, what I did was I sent the email back and I said, Malcolm, I can now understand why you want to have sex. She's beautiful. You've got to be real. Not permission giving. Totally different. Be real. Acknowledge that reality. But often non-Christians will ask us things when they know in their heart what's right and wrong. That they're hoping you might give them a loophole. They are. They really are. We've had that a number of times. Oh, gosh, I've got to move on. Just for a few minutes, I want to take you to something. Um, There's your sort of structure, if you like. The Apostle Paul's testimony is in the Scripture three times. That's the basic outline. So when you're talking to someone, just think, well, my life before Jesus. So that will bring empathy with them. Build a bridge. Chat about that. And uh, then you've got how you met Jesus and then what difference that's made to your life. And so, uh, look, if I had 12 months to live, this is what I'd do. I've wanted for so many years to write the world's finest quality gospel brochure, which will have digital as well. So you can use it on your phones and all that kind of thing. Um, I've got an illustrator who's an an atheist, but I I think he's the right guy who's going to do this for me. And so for those of you who are a little bit biblically literate, you'll know that the historic biblical narrative, creation for redemption, response, and mission. Uh, and then, you know, so much of this stuff, it's, it's just not good. And I want something where the artwork is so breathtaking, people will get emotional and go, that's what the gospel is. That's what, oh, that's what it means. Something that you would be proud to give someone because of its quality and its clarity that the Holy Spirit could use. So, you know, instead of God loves you, you're a mongrel, you're a sinner. Uh, you know, Jesus came and died for you. So, you know, uh, you know, go to church, give your money. You know, mine is like uh, a perfect world, a fatal attraction, the gift, an open door, an adventure. So um, I'm working on that and hopefully might get it done this year. And this is the outline of it. Um, and I, I think it's, it's not messing with scripture it's just putting a contemporary terminology on it with um you know breathtaking artwork that that uh, i can see thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to jesus you know through this and it's just a tool a resource that will help all of us share christ and then uh lastly i've done a prayer and out of out of the text of this uh document that i'm working on uh this is my kind of salvation prayer Hello, God. Thank you for creating me to enjoy your perfect world. I messed up. We all know we messed up. People know they've messed up. I want to come home. 
Thank you, Jesus, for choosing a brutal death to cleanse my heart. Please forgive me. I accept your gift as my Savior. Welcome into my heart. Help me to live in harmony with you and your purpose for my life. Amen. I get a little bit emotional thinking that hopefully before too long, this this will start. I've hardly mentioned this, only about two churches, you know, but I'm thinking, why shouldn't we have finest quality artwork and brochure? Because this is the most important message on the planet. So I've spent so many hours on this, you know, and I'm so passionate about it and, and written it and rewritten it and asked the Holy Spirit to help me. You know, there are so many people that we've seen come to Jesus, and I just want to share those things about Vipple, and then, you know, I, there's so many others which I won't share, of course, now time's over, but um, people coming into church, because it's not just an individualistic thing, sometimes, like uh, um, in our church was Miriam, a Brazilian girl, a graphic designer, worked for Harley-Davidson in the Valley, and uh, Maxine came and worked there. She's a graphic designer. Miriam from our church started to talk to Maxine, what came out, I'm actually using her real name, I don't think she'd mind, is that Maxine was living with a really difficult guy and her life was just really rubbish and she planned her suicide. And she planned where to do it, how to do it, and what she would have around her neck. And what, She was in drugs and stuff as well. And Miriam just loved her and began to share Jesus with her. And they would walk home across the story bridge in the city and they would talk about God. And Miriam brought Maxine to church and Maxine came down the front and she just wept and wept and uh, and now she's uh, I, I did a wedding, she got married to a lovely guy and she's got two little kids and, and it, it's a team effort it's not just you, it's you and the Holy Spirit and it's you and the church family so sometimes you bring them, like Vipple if you like, I'm waiting for the right time to bring them to church, Alyssa, we've invited her, you know it won't be long, you know it's a team thing we're partnering, but your story has power. Your story has power. Missy came into church. Just one or two more quickly. Missy came into church one night. I was up the front in the in the valley in the city or New Farm, and she had her hair shaved off and a nighty. It wasn't much of a nighty either. She didn't have much on, but quite revealing. But I just thought, oh, great, we've got a Buddhist in church tonight. I mean that, seriously. I thought, wow, that's awesome. Um, right at the older court time, she came down the front with tears streaming down her face. Just copious tears. What is it? What is it? What is the vibe? What is the karma? What is the magic? They use all these terms. You know, what is it you've got? I want it. This is what I've been looking for. Out loud. And so we led her to Jesus right there. She went home to her sister, Najia, sister, Najia. And she said, Najia, she's Lebanese girls, both of them. She said, I found what we've been looking for. You've got to come to church. Bought her on Sunday. She got saved. And, uh, and you know, story after story after story that's what God wants for you here more and more and more and more this is the favor of God is on this church for several reasons one of the reasons is because you love transformation so much and you sacrifice and you support it and these are the most needy kind of people around and when you look in the scripture you find that that is what got Jesus attention that's what got God's attention and uh, I'm, I'm really you know praying and grateful we can share with you and just hope to encourage you a bit that um don't take for granted what's happening here it's easy to get casual we travel around we're in lots of churches of all different kind of denominations there's something special happening here oh yeah, yeah you probably say there we go i don't i'm honest there's something happening here and get it you know um 
be a part of it. If you're on the fringe, if you're in the shallows, jump in. You know, get right in and get involved. Because this is the most important thing, the kingdom of God. Got to finish. Um, I'd like all of us to pray this before I hand over to Pastor Ros. And uh, let's stand up. And, uh, you know, all of us out loud pray this prayer as identification, particularly with those in our midst who may have never prayed this prayer before. There's some here today who've never nailed it, never really opened your life to Jesus. This is the kind of prayer that you can pray. So let's all do it together. Hello, God. Thank you for creating me to enjoy your perfect world. I messed up. I want to come home. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing a brutal death to cleanse my heart. Please forgive me. I accept your gift as my Savior. Welcome into my heart. Help me to live in harmony with you and your purpose for my life. Amen. Can we all just bow our heads for a moment, please? Just for a little bit of privacy um, for those who may require it. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love you just to look up and, and give me a wave. Just put your hand up and look at me and say, thanks, mate. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank over there. Uh, anyone else? Just put your hand up, look me in the eye, say, yeah, I prayed that for the first time. Uh, uh, thank you. That's wonderful. Awesome. Hey, listen, we're really big in our church here at not wanting to embarrass anyone. Um, but, you know, there's a philosophy or reason behind what I'm going to ask you to do now because Jesus did it. This is where we got the example. Jesus would sometimes say to people in a public setting, what do you want when they were obviously sick? Or he would say to someone, he would actually ask for a response in public for something that might be considered quite personal because he knew that actually released faith and it helped break people loose. So for those of you who put up your hand, I'm going to ask you a really big call and, and hopefully you won't be embarrassed. But as we sing the song, um, would you just come forward? We'd love to meet you and pray for you. And we're just trying to... Um, uh, help cement that uh, step that you're taking. So uh, if you come forward as we start to sing, we'd love to. There's about three or four at least that I saw. Okay. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.